everyone. Welcome back to Words for the Weary podcast, where we discuss books and the Bible to enlighten, encourage, and equip the weary soul. Today, we are finishing up Lisa Turkhurst's book, I'll Start Again Monday, and we are covering chapters 16 through 18. So chapter 16 is titled, Why Diets Don't Work. And in this chapter, Lisa explains how her mindset around healthy eating has had to shift from a diet and deprivation viewpoint to a spiritual journey viewpoint that leads to long-lasting change and deep fulfillment in God. Chapter 17 is titled, Things Lost, Better Things Gained. And in this chapter, Lisa talks about experiencing victory by turning away from some foods forever through the biblical principles of sacrifice and repentance. Through willingly sacrificing the immediate gratification chips or chocolate might bring and turning away from eating patterns and thought patterns that once held her captive, Lisa discusses how she is gaining better things that produce greater satisfaction in the long run. The last chapter of this book is titled, Live as an Overcomer, and Lisa points the reader to Revelation 2-7, which states, To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Lisa reminds us that each choice we make leads us down a path toward victory or defeat. If we allow God to come and fill us and empower us moment by moment, we can focus on the next right choice and become overcomers who are made to crave God alone. Those are just some brief summaries of each of these chapters that we covered this week. And so let's dive into what stood out to each of you. So our reading this week started off with chapter 16, which I loved how, yet again, Lisa has another relatable story. She spends the first part of it talking about her issue with infomercials. And in particular, there was an infomercial that came on that had this promise of getting to a smaller size with little sacrifice and little effort. And so she says, it's a scam. She knew it, but there was just something in her heart that made her think, but maybe this one is a sure thing. And I had to laugh as I read it because I have had those moments too. There was a product that I did end up buying called Liver Health because like, they said that that's why we have this excess body weight is because your liver isn't <laughs> properly detoxing. And it was like, this is the answer. And so I fell prey to buying it and um, it wasn't the answer. So I could totally relate and was like, yep, that's, that's what it is. It was just a scam. But you get caught up in that moment of like, maybe this will actually work like they say it will. So that had me starting off with laughing for sure. but. You know, it made me think like we're always looking for that quick fix or an easier way to do it. Something that we can just run to as an attempt to undo all of our overindulgences. But unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way. And is why, like Lisa discusses here, is it's why diets don't work. And on page 113, she says, diets don't work for me. I seem to be able to sacrifice for a season, and then I get tired of sacrificing. I hit my goal weight and then slowly slip into old habits. The weight creeps back on, and I feel like a failure. And so she says, so I'm not on a diet. I'm on a journey with Jesus to learn the fine art of self-discipline for the purpose of holiness. And so I really liked her approach here that it's not it's not about being on a diet and following 
a specific diet, but it's rather a matter of journeying with Jesus and turning it back to how everything we do is part of our journey with Jesus. And it's got to be something that is that we can sustain long term, that we can keep on track with. But ultimately, it's that practice of self-discipline that we have to have here. And not just for a short season, I'm going to sacrifice fill in the blank, but rather realizing I need Jesus's strength for that self-discipline to sustain me long-term through making these life changes when it comes to our eating and, and our health. I really like what you had to say there, Serena, about page 113. And she continues on in 114 and 115, and she brings up the subject of idolatry and how we are making food our idol. And Lisa says, Idolatry in the case of food means consuming ill-sized portions and making unhealthy choices because we feel we deserve it or need it to make us feel better. It makes me think of the holidays. We have Christmas coming up in just a couple more days, and we have been very blessed by many members with sweets. We have three little boys, and I know everybody just thinks, oh, they need a little treat around the holidays, but those treats are everywhere in our house. I opened our front door the other day, and it was just sitting a big old pile of cookies sitting on our doorstep, which is very sweet of the person who made it. And so the hard thing is, is that temptation's there, and walking by it, it's become something that's on my mind constantly. And I know that's not what we should be doing. We shouldn't be making our food our idol. And it's not, I deserve that cookie. Or I need it to make me feel better. Jesus is the answer to that. But it is turning and fleeing from those things. And so it made me also think of what other idols do we have in our life? What other addictions and temptations do we deal with? Over-exercising, making that our God. You have that. You have sex. You have food like she's been talking about. Shopping, that's one where it kind of gets me every time. It's I like my shopping and I spend probably way too much time shopping. So what do we do? Do we stop shopping? Do we stop exercising? She talks about food and she says, we aren't to flee food. We need food, but we are to flee the control food can have over our lives. And so that made me think, well, we're not going to stop eating. We still need to shop for our family and exercising is a great thing. So what are we to do? We are to flee the control that those things have over us and turning it back to everything we do is part of our journey with Jesus. So turning it back to him and making him the most important thing, like you said, Serena. Yeah. And in that section that she talks about, Kim, she says, are we depending on food to make us feel emotionally better? Because I feel like that's where the problem really starts to come in is when we are running to things or to even other people. Sometimes other people can be an addiction. If you feel like I can't give up this person even though that relationship isn't honoring to God. So there are things that and people that we can run to to fill us more than we run to God. This is a continual walk. As we walk with Christ, we aren't made perfect overnight. We have to constantly be assessing where is my heart at in this? In relation to food, in relation to sex, in relation to our relationships with other people, and always trying to keep God at the forefront, always trying to say, God, how can I honor you today with this relationship? How can I honor you today with this food choice? Because it all comes back down to, are we going to let food stay food, let friends stay friends, or are we going to put them in a place of God? Are we going to put them in a place that 
is our quick fix. It's going to make us feel better momentarily and very quickly, but leave us feeling guilt-ridden, shame-filled, and really fleeing from God? Or are we going to run to God, find refuge in Him, look to Him for our strength, look to Him for our fulfillment? I think that's the point that she's been driving home this whole book. Mm -hmm. I think this leads to the two elephants in the room that she addresses in this chapter. And she says, elephant number one, which is, don't tell me I have to give up all treats for all time. She says, we don't have to do that. For a time, yeah, you might have to give up all treats or all sweets or whatever's that stronghold in your life. Yeah, maybe you do have to give it up for a time. But then maybe once you reach your goal weight or you you really feel like, man, that doesn't really hold power over me anymore. Maybe you can at times carefully introduce some of those things. We don't want to fall back into old patterns. We don't want to fall back into old habits. And so to some degree, we also have to know what has been the addiction process there? What has been the the process that led me to depend on that in the first place? Was it emotional? Was it emotional and physiological? You went to that food first emotionally, then you built a a physiological dependence on it because of the way that it changed the makeup of your gut microbiome or whatever. Sugar can do that. (laughs) To some degree, we have to constantly be assessing what is it that led me to that? And do I need to engage in it again? Or is it going to lead me right back to where it used to? People that have substance abuse issues, like with alcohol or drugs, a lot of research and people who have gone through addiction recovery have said, I can't ever have another drink of alcohol again. I can't ever do another line of cocaine again. Because even just that little bit can send me right back down. And so there are going to be some things that you have to think through. Can I even have a little bit of that? I might not be able to. And can I live without it? Yeah, I probably can. Mm -hmm. And right now it might seem challenging. It might seem almost impossible. But the longer you go on this journey, the less you're going to need that. You're going to see, oh, I can actually make it a day without it. I can actually make it a week without it. But we have to ask ourselves, am I going to rely on God or am I going to run back to the rhesus or whatever whatever it is that you want? You know, for some people it's chips and salsa and some people it's sweets, but whatever is that stronghold in your life, you have to really think through and evaluate, can I go back to it at all? And is it going to produce anything good if I go back to it? Can I keep it as a occasional treat or will it lead me right back down the path that I don't want to be going down again? You know, it's really interesting because like you said, Felicia, how sugar can change our gut microbiome. On page 120, she lists some information from health news research that I thought was really interesting about sugar and junk food. and. Part of it is a lab study that they did on these rats that they had given junk food to. And she says that they showed profound reductions in the sensitivity of their brain's pleasure centers and that they ended up needing more food to get the same amount of pleasure. And she says, just as heroin addicts require more and more of the drug to feel good, 
rats eat in more and more of the junk food. And she says that they, you know, they lose control and that this is the hallmark of addiction, which ties in Kim with what you were talking about. But another study she talks about was that the effects of certain sugary foods can turn off the body's ability to feel full, which I was like, mind blown. Like there's the answer. <laughs> that explains the quick it. fix. <laughs> no, but really think about how many times you've eaten a full meal and you're full. Think of Thanksgiving, think of Christmas. But you still gotta get that sugar. The pumpkin pie comes out, the apple pie, the chocolate pie. It comes out and you're like, oh yeah, I've got room for more. Yeah. Then you eat beyond even your capacity, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Gotta get out the stretchy pants. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought that was so interesting. And you know, it really made me think, about the quote that says, when you know better, you do better. Because as I read that, I thought, oh my goodness, like how often are we putting these things into our bodies? And we maybe don't even realize the damage that we're doing. But when we learn about the damaging effects of some of these things, the idea is, and the hope would be that we would start to make some positive changes. I've learned more and more over the years about the benefits of choosing to eat cleaner options avoiding foods that can cause us to not just gain weight, but can cause a whole host of other health issues. And I would say for the most part, when you start to realize the damage that you're doing, it makes it easier to see what she's talking about here with the idea of things lost, better things gained. It's not always easy to push away the pie after a Thanksgiving meal, especially because I think, you know, we start getting wrapped up in tradition and like we have to have it, right? It's tradition or whatever it might be. But I think on a daily basis, we can start to realize, you know what, I really don't feel good after I eat fill in the blank. And so maybe I shouldn't eat fill in the blank anymore because when I know that it can cause me to have health issues, I can make these changes and feel better. Yeah, this is lost, but overall my health is better. And so that's a better thing gained. And on page 122, She says, this isn't a sign that I'm being deprived. This is a sacrifice I'm willing to make in order to gain something so much greater. She says, focusing only on what we're giving up will make us feel constantly deprived. And deprivation leads to desperation, frustration, and failure. Instead, we have to focus on everything we're gaining through this process and see the gains as more valuable than the losses. And so as we've said before, it goes back to that mindset Where is our mindset? Is it constantly thinking like, I can't ever have anything? Or is it realizing I can sacrifice these little things here and there that I need to, to benefit my health and to make positive changes, have greater things gained in the long run, and realize that the gains that we have are more valuable than the losses of the junk and the sugary foods that we might have to give up in the moment. Serena, part of what you said was just this idea of having a spirit of of willingly sacrificing certain things in order to benefit so much more in the end. And so that's what part of chapter 17 was about is that willful sacrifice of things that you once loved in order to gain something even greater. But the other part of this chapter that she talks about is the idea of repentance. And it's funny because she's actually in the middle of the holidays when she's writing this book. And of course, as we're recording this podcast, we're in the middle of our holiday season. And she brings us to the Christmas story in Mark. And she says, Mark 
he cuts to the chase. If we only had the gospel of Mark, Jesus's entrance into this world and Christmas would look so different. And it's because the beginning of Mark is about how John the Baptist is a wild man and he's preparing the way for Jesus. He's preaching a message we don't typically hear at Christmas and it's a message of repentance. And I have just really appreciated this considering where we're at. We're recording this five days before Christmas and it's just really refreshing to see and to read how part of preparing the way for Jesus to come in and to completely transform and shift our lives is this act of repentance. That's part of becoming a Christian is turning away, willfully turning away from our life of past sin and choosing to follow God. And part of our health journey at times is going to require repentance. It's going to require turning 180 degrees and saying, I need to repent of how food has held my heart, of how how I have placed it and it's become an idol, how I use it to fulfill me in ways that only God should fulfill me. I have to first and foremost repent and then continually choose to walk and to sacrifice and to live out this new life that we are given. And as I was saying earlier, this doesn't just happen overnight. We don't just become perfect overnight. There's a process of sanctification. There's a practice process of becoming more holy. And that's what Lisa pointed out in chapter 16 is this isn't just a diet. This is a process of becoming more like Christ, of becoming more holy, letting food stay food. Food is something that is supposed to just bring nourishment to our body, provide energy for us to go about and do the Lord's work. But we also know that sometimes it's okay to praise God and rejoice in in some of the goodness that food is and having a good meal. The more you keep food where it's supposed to be, the more you could actually enjoy it because it's not producing shame and guilt because you overate the cookies. Instead, it's like, oh, I enjoyed that one cookie. It was so good. And I'm going to praise God that he gave me the taste receptors that I have so I can taste the sweetness and I can enjoy that cookie. But I'm going to keep it where it's supposed to be and just saying that is an every now and then treat that I can worship God in, that he (laughs) allowed us to create a cookie, you know. But the cookie stays the cookie and not the fulfillment of our soul or our desires. I think that ties in really well, Felicia, with chapter 18, the last chapter in the book, and it's called Live as an Overcomer. And I love how she circles back to the garden. She references Revelation 2, verse 7, which says, To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. You know, she starts off by talking about how Eve led us down this path of brokenness in the world because she chose to eat of the tree in the garden that was forbidden. And now here we are at the end of this book talking about to him who overcomes, who overcomes this, you can even say this bondage that we are dealing with when it comes to our eating and that that food can have on us. And he says to him who overcomes, I will give you the right to eat from that tree of life that started the fall all those years ago 
is something that we can now partake in, not in a bad way, not in a sinful way, but rather as overcomers who, like Lisa says, it's not just that we deal with our struggles, but rather we have the ability to overcome those struggles and find absolute victory in areas where we once maybe felt defeated and then the control that it maybe has over us at times. Yes. This whole section on being an overcomer, it reminds me both of there's a process of us overcoming, overcoming our sin, overcoming temptation that will be there until the day that we die. But also we have a promise and a hope given to us by Jesus in John chapter 16, verse 33, that says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So we see this this aspect of Jesus has overcome the world. We are in Jesus. Therefore, we are overcomers already, but also we are in the process of overcoming. It's the already, but not yet. It's the we're still here in the flesh, but yet Jesus has already taken care of our sin. He's already taken care of our struggles, of our temptations. He can be there in the process. And if we lean into him, if we seek his face, if we abide in him, as we talked about last week, then we will have peace and we can be overcomers. When we are not overcomers, it's most likely because we're living out of our flesh. (laughs) It's not because we're living out of the Holy Spirit. We're not living out of the strength that he gives us. We are still in our flesh nature. But when we, as Lisa continually calls us to, when we place our confidence, our hope, when we are seeking hard after God in all areas, and especially as we're specifically looking at our eating choices, we can take heart and know that Jesus has overcome this. And if we lean into him, that means we can overcome this. Mm -hmm. Yes, Lucia, that's so good. And I just want to end today with a prayer that Lisa has in chapter 17 that we all felt was such a powerful prayer that I know I can pray probably on a daily basis. And so on page 126, she wrote, Dear Jesus, I have finally found the courage to admit I've craved food more than you. I have wept over giving up food while hardly giving a thought to you, giving your life for my freedom. I've been bound up by feelings of helplessness. I've been angry that I have to deal with this weight issue and have been mad at you for allowing this to be one of the lots in life. I've made excuses. I've pointed fingers. I've relied on food for things it could never give me. I've lied to myself about the realities of why I gain weight. I've settled and excused and justified my issues. I've been enthralled by buttered bread while yawning through your daily bread. For all that, I am so sorry. These are not just little issues. These, for me, are sins, missing the mark of your best for my life. With my whole heart, mind, and soul, I repent. I turn from the dieting mindset. I turn from what I must give up and weep no more. I remove my toe, keeping open the door to old habits, my old mindset, and my old go-to scripts. I choose freedom. I choose victory. I choose courage. And above all else, I choose you. Amen. And we just felt like that was such a great way to end this book. I know I've enjoyed it. I know you ladies have shared you've enjoyed it as well. It's been very fitting and helpful this time of year. 
If you guys have not gone out and grabbed your copy, we encourage you to do so. I'll start again Monday by Lisa Turkhurst. So we hope you'll join us in the new year as we will be releasing new content. So stay tuned and check out our social media to get more information.